Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest And good morning, our lines are open, 1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie taking your calls today, or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can email across the morning, jp at c103.ie. Ahead on the show, the ASTI, they have voted for industrial action. And it's over COVID-related issues in the schools. They want action from the government to address these issues. But how do you feel on this? We're hoping, if not today, tomorrow, to be joined by someone uh, from the STI on this issue of COVID in schools and the issues where teachers may be doing extra work in the classroom is something we have heard over the last few weeks from teachers and also then the issue of when a teacher goes into the classroom, they're in a classroom of 20 or 30 people and they feel that in the current situation, they're the only ones doing this. They're the only ones going into a room full of people. Uh, your views are welcome on this industrial action. And will that then, from an ASDI point of view, dealing with secondary schools, could that translate to primary schools? Your views are welcome on that. Also, independence will no longer be held in Mitchellstown. The town have chorus for this huge music festival. It's been home to it for the last 15 years. It started off in the square in Mitchellstown around 2006 and it grew and grew every Every year, and I think in the last five or six years, it's been a huge success. Uh, we have tried to contact the organisers of the festival this morning. Uh, so far, they are not talking on the decision that they have made. But in a statement, organisers of the festival say they felt they had no other option but to look for a new home. And the statement adds that they're looking for the future and said that it wasn't the end of the event. So we'll have to wait and see what will happen with independence. Uh, there is offers here on text this morning uh, from people who would offer a field to them in the areas of North Cork. Not sure if it's Mitchellstown or not, but there is offers from across North Cork of fields for them. Uh, so could that be an option? Not sure. Or what is the future plan of independence? But for the moment, uh, it will be no longer in Mitchellstown. It might come back. We'll have to wait and see uh, on what will happen. We, as I said, tried to contact the organisers, but they don't seem to be talking on that this morning. Also on the show, why one TD has decided to scrap her dial wage and go 
go on the pandemic unemployment payment. We're going to speak with the Wexford Deputy Verona Murphy on why she has opted to do this on the show this morning. We're also going to hear about one woman's mission to highlight mental health issues and how they are dealt with in this country. Uh, Brona Cahill from Mallow is holding a protest outside the HSE offices in the West End in Mallow uh, to highlight mental health issues in this country. Not only in the last few months to do with COVID, but prior to that and the way uh, that it's still a stigma uh, for someone to say that they have a mental health issue. And rare birds, we've heard this over the last year and the start of this year, how a number of rare birds are being poisoned or even attacked here in the Cork area. But why is this happening? We're going to chat with Birdwatch Ireland on that. And forest members have approved the sale of Cork City FC. Uh, Cork City uh, has been successful from around 2016-2017. They won the double then. Uh, but following that, things have changed with that club and now they've been relegated. There's financial woes as well. And last night, in a vote, uh, the sale has been approved to sell Cork City. And we'll hear more about that later in the show with our soccer correspondent, Trevor Welch. Also, our Gardafal and pet advice with Jane. If there's a, a pet in your household that you have a question for Jane, get that into us across the morning to Bernie or Sadie, 1850 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Our lines are open. If you want to raise something on the show this morning, Bernie and Sadie taking those calls, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And something that we spoke about on the show on Tuesday and even again yesterday, Tuesday was regarding the smaller retailers who were forced to close under level five and they felt it wasn't fair that larger stores were remaining open selling the same products more or less than smaller stores or as smaller stores were. One example was stationery and card shops closing yet bigger supermarkets were selling cards and stationery items and other issues then were relating to the agricultural world and the marts and why marts are closed and forced to go online and we discussed that yesterday. Well on that uh, things have changed because two of the big discount stores here in Ireland, Aldi and Lidl they have bowed under pressure to end the sale of the middle aisle products so these are the I know the offers they do every Monday or Thursday usually and people sometimes flock to those stores for those uh, products because they now have been deemed not essential after the government threatened to clamp down on retailers who were seen to be flouting the lockdown guidelines. Now the two grocery chains had resisted uh, the calls uh, over the last while about not selling these middle aisles but they have uh, changed because there were stuff like children's toys and clothes and hardware items and these smaller businesses were saying well if they're allowed open and sell these why can't we? Anyhow Ismi then of course which represents small traders they criticised the government uh, for crippling small shops they say to profit multiples in a response to this on Taunashta and the Minister for Business Leo Varadkar he's warned big supermarkets against not lawful practices and saying the Gardaí would enforce the regulations banning the sale of non-essential items. Tesco and Dunn's have moved this week to block off access to products like clothes and homeware and home entertainment and toys and it's understood that Gardaí are visiting a number of outlets around the country to check with compliance. So while people were angry on Tuesday that some of those stores still were selling those, it seems now they have moved to close off those areas that sell homeware, clothes and uh, those so-called middle aisle products in the big uh, 
discount stores, uh, something that smaller businesses will be welcoming the news of because we had so many calls in on Tuesday from people who found that very unfair that that was allowed to happen while small retailers were essentially closed. And staying with positive news on the retail front, Douglas Village Shopping Centre, it's reopening on November the 12th despite further lockdown bre- uh, headaches, I suppose, for them at this stage. Uh, they are going to reopen and the uh, two big retail joints in that village shopping centre in Douglas, Tesco and Marks and Spencers, they're currently stuck in the shelves and they're due to be open. Plus, Tesco is uh, adding a new uh, 30 staff members to their staff in that store in Douglas. Overall, the, across the country, Tesco are also hiring as well for new staff and indeed seasonal staff on the run up to Christmas, which is good news. And some of the smaller units then in Douglas Village Shopping Centre, uh, they're not considered essential. They will remain closed, but those permitted to open under Level 5 include the two supermarkets I mentioned, the butchers, the bank and the pharmacy. And TK Maxx is also due to return to the centre. So good news there for those in the Douglas area. Following that massive fire last year, Douglas Village Shopping Centre is to reopen on November the 12th. And yesterday we spoke with Cork Southwest Social Democrats Deputy Holly Carnes. This was on... Uh, the mother and baby homes and a huge reaction to this and the sealing of the records. Well, last night, uh, following the discussion over the last week or so on this, uh, the governments have come out and they announced last night uh, regarding the access to the information for those affected by uh, the historical abuses there. Uh, they have clarified that adoptees and survivors of mother and baby homes are legally entitled to access their personal data. However, those seeking information through GDPR GDPR laws uh, they will have to prove their application does not infringe on the rights of others. Now a row over the treatment of this data uh, which has been going on for the last while and is in the possession of the Mother and Baby Homes Commission of investigation. Obviously enough, all of this did cause widespread distress for the adoptees and survivors and we heard the backlash it caused over the last number of weeks, especially the last week and I think yesterday the calls and comments we got from people who were amazed that this was allowed continuum and that no one was saying anything apart from the President and TDs who were against this. In a statement anyhow, the government has said the detailed reflection they have on this and the issues raised in the recent days, they acknowledge and they regret the genuine hurt felt by many people. So uh, hopefully now those people will be able to access their files. We will have to wait and see. I know yesterday, even speaking with Holly, there was still concerns about those data protection laws. Uh, but hopefully everything will work out for those who wish uh, and that everybody can see what actually happened over the last number of years. But those who want access to the records will be able to gain access. And while we are all talking about lockdowns and level fives and all of this, and a lot of people are working from home, some good news for big offices and big companies who usually will look at a city centre location to run their business, it seems more now are moving out to rural areas. And this is a report that's been carried out over the last few months and it seems that more than one third of businesses are planning to replace their city centre offices with smaller satellite ones in rural location. Uh, The report shows that 37% of businesses are considering downsizing to a hub-and-spoke office model amid a long-term shift to remote working. And a staggering 75% of firms took drastic measures during the first lockdown to cut costs uh, such as redundancies and injuring temporary contracts and voluntary annual leave and salary reductions and all of that. And when you look at those who are working and are still lucky enough to have jobs, 
Uh, most of them are happy with this and they say those who are working from home are satisfied with remote working. Uh, the big thing here is, well, some people don't like working from home for those who are commuting and travelling from rural areas into a city every day. That's the big bonus for them. The fact that they have a less commute time, they don't have to get up early in the morning. Uh, they, they still have to get up for work, but they're not getting up at ridiculous hours such as half five, five a.m. Uh, to be in a workplace at half eight or nine o'clock because everything has to be done in the household before they get into their car and they could be stuck in traffic I mean we've heard during the before uh, Covid ever came people travelling for example from McCroom Ballyvornian people commuting from Killarney to Cork City and how slow the traffic would be moving on that McCroom to Cork Road on a daily basis. Likewise, if you travel the Mallow to Cork Road every morning, you'll see the volume of traffic on that road. And uh, with that in mind, and because we don't have motorways here, it was taking longer for people to get to work. And it was frustrating if you leave on time, you're delayed and then you're late for work. So all of this added up and it looks like uh, that more people and more companies are looking towards a hub and spoke model, which we'll see uh, maybe using something maybe like the Ludgate in Skibbereen, uh, where people would go to work and work out of there, uh, or else they would have a smaller office in a rural town, which is good because there was a worry that rural areas were going to die off because everybody was being asked, I suppose, to move and work into the cities and urban areas. That could be changing. Uh, the report from Robert Walters Ireland looked into the cost effectiveness and the flexibility it also means for employees. So something positive there that while you, everybody's worried about a rural Ireland over the last while and, and the future of it, it does seem looking at that report and even the evidence of it that more companies now realise it's cheaper uh, to have their employees at home, less costs, less lighting, less electricity. And with the many people who have purchased homes in rural areas, maybe because it's cheaper over the last number of years, you are boosting the local economy because then those people are not going to be travelling into the city every day. They'll be in their local towns, wherever they are, Charnival, Canturk, Bantry, Skibbereen, Crosshaven, Yall, wherever they are, and they'll spend their money there. So it could be a positive story out of everything going on at the moment in relation to COVID. 1850 333 103. Our lines are open. Our texts are WhatsApp 0862103103. On the way, though, we will speak to the Wexford TD, Verona Murphy, on why she has basically forgone and scrapped her dull wage and opted to go on the pandemic unemployment payment. We'll chat with her next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Wexford TD Verona Murphy has said she is reducing her dull salary to the level of the pandemic unemployment payment for the duration of the second lockdown. And Verona Murphy joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Verona. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. I suppose, first of all, why did you decide to do this? Well, if you recall Tony Shta's interview with Claire Byrne on RTE, where he described Neffet as making decisions, and what he said in relation to them was none of those people would have faced being on the PUP. None of them would have to tell someone they're losing their job, and none of them would have to shutter a business for the last time and that we were the elected representatives. So it's my belief that we have to share the pain. And I'm taking the PUP rate of pay to show solidarity with the people that I do understand. But I also believe that the Taunishta's comments are, whilst he referred to Neffet, I believe that they're more paramount to politicians 
because we are the ones making the decisions and particularly those who have called for the level five uh, restrictions to be put in place. So I initially asked that the Taunishta, the Taoiseach and the Cabinet would be the ones to reduce their salary if we went to level five and if they made that decision. But seeing as they have made that decision, I'm prepared to do it and show solidarity with those who have been made unemployed who have lost their businesses or closed their businesses. Some will have closed them uh, and won't reopen. And, you know, they're all going to have to reduce and live on 350 for the foreseeable. Let it be six weeks, it may be extended. But I'm prepared to do the same and I want the people to know that I've been in business and I know their pain. Yeah, we had a lot of calls on Tuesday from smaller retailers who, as you mentioned, they're in that situation. They've had to close a lot of their staff on the PUP and they can understand the frustration when they look at those making the decisions on big money. They say big supermarkets open and they're closed. So uh, a lot of people, though, looking at politicians, maybe yourself doing this, would say is a tokenism to those who were on the PUP. Well, I don't see that it's tokenism. I mean, my own advisors told me that if I did it, I'd be accused of populism. But if we look to other countries, the only other country that made a move like this was New Zealand, in which case the entire government took a 20% pay cut in order to show solidarity. And that that government now under Jacinta Ardern has just been returned with the most popular vote in the history of the state in the last 60 years. Look, I, I don't expect people and I wouldn't expect anybody to do something that I wouldn't do myself. So I don't believe it's tokenism and I can't see how it would be taken as tokenism. I mean, I have bills to pay, mortgage to pay, different expenses that I will also have to reduce, you know, as they say, you cut your cut to fit your measure and that's what I'll be doing because I know that that's what everybody else has to do. And it's showing the example other people in this country are doing it so you're trying to live in and feel what other people are doing at the moment and how they're surviving. But you mentioned there about pay cuts in other countries and other governments doing that. Should our government here insist to pay cut across the Leinster House or across the entire public service considering what has happened in the private sector in this country over the last six months? Well, I've only been a politician since February the 8th. And what I would say is this. This pandemic, the first I have faced in my lifetime, we're in extraordinary unprecedented times. I believe a measure, like the constant line is repeated. We're all in this together. Well, if we're all in this together, I believe those actions should be taken as a show of solidarity so that nobody feels decisions are being made by people who don't understand the consequences that it's having on the people who've lost their jobs and their businesses. And I believe that if they were to do that, it would certainly show a level of understanding. And we probably, in fact, would come to a resolution and a plan to live with COVID much quicker. I don't believe we should be at level five. I believe we're destroying the economy. I know that for months it was muted that we may face a resurgence. And our action was to reduce our contact tracers from 1,700 to a level of 400. I put that to the Taunishta on the floor of the doll at a time when we were testing 15,000 people a day. I complained that we weren't able to contact trace. I had numerous people contact me saying that they hadn't been contacted or informed that they were a close contact. And his answer was that they were contact tracing 1,000 people a day. Now, that's a little just under a month ago. And 1,000 people a day being contacted by 400 contact tracers means that each one was only doing 2.5 people as contacts, close contacts. That's certainly 
wasn't good enough, when we should actually have been contacting at that time in excess of 7,000 people a day. And I believe that this is where the system has failed the people. They are being told that they need to reduce their contacts, they need to stay home, and now we have restrictions under Level 5. It's a systems failure. So you feel if the tracing was up to the mark and was run correctly, we wouldn't be in this situation, you wouldn't have so many businesses closed and people losing their jobs. That it's a mistake of the state. It's an ineffective, inefficient working of the test, trace and isolate that we were promised would be to the gold standard. It certainly hasn't been. It's not yet. And I believe that if we don't formulate it in a way that it is effective and efficient, we will be back in level five by early next year. I mean, I, I don't believe that we people will see a reprieve at Christmas whereby they are going to continue with the results that they have now uh, to abide by restrictions. I mean, there are serious implications for people, mental health issues, disability issues. We've seen the vast amount of tragedies over the last week, all very tragic incidents. And we have to say society is suffering. We are looking at COVID deaths. We're not following up with cancer deaths. We're not following up with suicides. All of these deaths may well be COVID-related, but I believe more so to the restrictions and the level of loneliness and isolation that people are feeling. And I think we have got to devise a plan that helps us to live with COVID. You understand, though, why Neffet and the government are making these decisions, though, uh, to restrict people's movements so the disease, COVID, does not spread. Can you, you understand that and, and why they have to make these decisions? But you, I can take your no, point that, I, I, sorry, that, that, that in lack of investment just, is, well, is, is one of the reasons. The reason they have to go to the restrictions is because of their inefficiency to put a test trace and isolate programme in place. Like The idea of the contact tracing is that people are advised as soon as possible, and that shouldn't be four days, it should be within 24 hours of one of their close contacts being tested positive. That's how you contain this disease. You contact you contact people who have been close contacts and you ask them to restrict their movements until such time as they are tested. The education factor here is that people aren't even aware that whilst their test as a close contact could be returned negative, they still have to isolate for a period of 10 days. It's not been explained. People don't understand it. And they feel if they're not contacted, well, then they have nothing to worry about. I have numerous calls where the HSE have told people they're not to do their own contact tracing. Now, this is three, four weeks ago, whereas now we can see last weekend they were overwhelmed and they've got people to do it. But like when I was asking the questions, I was told that it took time to recruit contact tracers. They had to have a level of ability. But that doesn't stack up when you now go to the people and say you've got to do it yourself. We had 1,700 contact tracers at this, when we had the same level of COVID in March and April, and we reduced it down to 400. The question must be asked why. If our test, trace and isolate regime was to be a gold standard, we should have upped those numbers, not decreased them. Yeah, and a lot of people are asking about that tracing system. I want to go back to the uh, PUP, though, the pandemic unemployment payment for the moment uh, and your decision to go on that and reduce your salary to, to that. What, what amount are you now receiving? So is it 350? 350. It's a very complicated process. I wrote to the clerk of the doll and I asked him to reduce my salary. Uh, so it's not very simple. It's not just simply that they cut my pay. It has to be done on an annual gross basis. 
uh, I've got to go with figures now and give them a figure that they want me to give them to say that this is the, ma- the amount I want deducted. All I want is €350, Euros, the same as those who are entitled to receive the PUP because they've lost their jobs. I'm working away. Uh, the reality is that it's the, the system of pay and tax and PAYE, it's complicated. But it will be done. It may be done over a longer period of time. But at the same time, there isn't any, the only other thing I could have done was gifted an amount back to the state. But I don't feel that's good enough. And I think we have to look at how this can be done easier. Mm. You know, I mean, the reality is if the Aust- if the New Zealand government could cut their pay by 20%, well, I think that's what we should be looking at also. And while many are texting in saying, why would you go on the PUP while you're still working? You've explained that because you want to no, I'm, show I'm solidarity. I'm not going on. Well, you're reducing your, 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 your salary to my it. salary to the level. To Absolutely. show the understanding I, of those who are on the PUP. One thing, though, well, expenses. Well, here, John Paul, people might be confused. I cannot go on the PUP whilst I'm working. But you're I reducing lost my job, but I'm reducing my salary in line with those who have lost their income. Expenses, are you still claiming those? Expenses are as they always were. You earn them. If I'm in Dublin, I get paid for travelling. I get paid for running my offices. I have You have to accommodate a number of days in which you're in Dublin. And by the end of the year, if I've accumulated those number of days, I will receive my full expenses. If I haven't, rece- if I haven't accumulated the number of days required, then I, what will happen is that those expenses will be cut accordingly. And are you still going to take those expenses while you reduce well, your salary? Well, well there hasn't anything change. My, I have two offices. We're still working. We're still open. I'm working definitely 18 hour days and sometimes more. I have no difficulty with the expenses because they are earned and they are used. Uh, you know, that's the difference. People, for instance, people who will be at home on the PUP payment, some of them will receive, or not on the PUP payment, but working from home, they will receive some expenses to counteract their bills of extra heating, electricity, internet, things like that. Expenses are expenses, and I don't have any great difficulty for anybody who's receiving expenses for work carried out. Yeah, because some people this morning on text have a different view. They say those who were on the PUP are not getting anything expense-wise, so it's easy for you to go and claim that. Yeah, but I think this is where I need to point out the difference. I am still working. I'm still working. My reduction is a show of solidarity. I have all the same expenses. There's nothing different. I'm not working from home. I'm working from my offices. I'm working from Dublin. And they're the same expenses that I would garner, whether you know, unless I was actually unemployed. So I don't the issue here is, can we bring the people with us? If we're all in this together, are we not all in it together at a pace game? I mean, we know now that our frontline workers are those, many of those who are in the lowest paid sector, not the people who are in Leinster House receiving vast amounts of money. You know, the reality is that our frontline workers have been identified through this pandemic as some of the lower paid in society, from cleaners to now people who do those jobs are now regarded as most essential. Like, look at the people who have been regarded as essential workers. Mm. 
you know. Yeah, and a lot of them aren't on high pay and are putting their lives at risk Correct. in medical situations and hospitals, which we've heard a lot of over the last number of months. And on that, I mean, you mentioned your advisor said it would be populist. Just to give you a flavour of some of the comments in, first of all, uh, Jerry worked in a hospital many years ago, retired now, but says, well done to Verona for this. I completely understand where she is coming from. It's good to see that politicians and some can now realise what it's like for many on the ground to live on low wages. Uh, while Derek has been working in a retail store for the last number of months, has been laid off, is on the PUP and says it's good to hear this coming from a politician. I think they do need to look at the public pay wages and reduce or cut like has ha- like that what has happened in the private sector and indeed in other countries. While well, Dennis says... Paul, yeah, If I could just say, I, I also uh, didn't... I wasn't aware that the 2% pay re- increase was received by politicians in October. Mm. And it's not that I'm ignorant to it. I knew it was coming. I just wasn't aware when it was coming. And I know that it's linked to the public pay sector. I have actually asked them to remove that from my salary. That's a very straightforward process. I was paid it in October. It will be removed and repaid in November and it will continue at the same pay scale that I started on in February. So, I mean, that's something, certainly, that we can do very simply as politicians. Make yeah, I know there's half... The frontline yeah. workers receive their 2%, but we certainly don't need a pay increase. We are... I do work hard. I'm not saying that politicians don't work hard. What I'm saying is we need to show leadership. We, we're in a pandemic, a very unprecedented situation. And I think that's when leadership qualities are shown through. That's what New Zealand did. 20% pay cut across the board. And Dennis has a different view. He says if you are still receiving the expenses, then Verona is not exactly living on the breadline, along with the PUP payment of 350 reducing her salary to that. Tell Verona, get off the soapbox and do some real work. I mean, people like that now are... are what do you say to Dennis, who has a different view on what other texters are saying? Well, what I say to that is that Dennis doesn't know what my expenses are. He doesn't know how what my outlay is. He has no idea. Two offices, you know insurance, all of the technology, we receive a level of expenses that we claim based on what we do. And when he says, get off my soapbox, I work very hard. My staff work exceptionally hard. I didn't leave my computer to 12 o'clock last night. And I can tell you there are many people who have lost their jobs who would love to be in my position. I was elected by the people to bring their voice to Dáil Éireann, the Wexford people. That's what I'm doing. They do not. They want leadership at this time. They want the failures to be corrected. They want the plan going forward that gets everybody back to work and to get us out of this unprecedented situation. We can live with COVID. We're going to have to live with COVID. What we're not seeing is a plan on how to do that and prevent lockdown, to prevent people losing their jobs, to prevent business closing, and most of all, to prevent deaths in all sectors, all health sectors not just those that are COVID and COVID related. Okay, very briefly before I let you go, people may remember you joined us before on the show with your role in the Haulier Association Verona. How is that business doing now? You yourself were involved in, in haulage over a number of years. What's the situation now with that business given everything going on with COVID but also Brexit? I think, yeah, they're very, very concerned about Brexit. I'm very concerned about Brexit, uh, what they have been calling for. I mean, you will know that these are the people who have effectively been frontline workers all through this pandemic. They've kept 
food chain supply going. There's no shortage of any product. You know, they are working really hard, but they have suffered. And the reality is that they expect Brexit to cause them pain. Uh, the customs procedure, many of the drivers in the industry, uh, at least 70% of them will never have carried out or gone through customs procedure. It's going to be pretty arduous. But what they are asking for is that we would have an efficient daily direct ferry service provided to have to, so that there is no need for the customs procedure for anybody that is circumventing the UK or no longer wants to use the Lambridge. Hauliers and drivers and the industries that they service need this certainty. Government are lagging. It's not been put in place. They're putting up spurious arguments that we have 20 direct ferry services. We do not. What we have are container ships that take three times as long to export a product than the Lambridge does. It's 13 and a half hours on a Lambridge versus 38 hours on the ships that the government say are an alternative. I'm very concerned they're not listening. I'm very concerned at the lack of preparation. We've done what Ireland always does. We've followed all of the regulatory uh, preparation, which means we have customs in place. We have phytosanitary checks in place. All of those things. But we have nothing that helps the businesses, services to continue and gain a market share. They need to gain from Brexit, not lose their business. And the, co- the preparation that's there by government won't help to do that. It will only hinder. OK, Verona, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that over the next while for the moment. Thanks for joining us this morning uh, on the programme. That is Wexford TD Verona Murphy on why she has decided to reduce her doll's salary to the level of the pandemic unemployment, unemployment payment. Your views are welcome on that. Uh, do you think that she is right? In everybody needs to show solidarity now like they're doing in other countries. 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And let's go to the comment line on 1850-333-103 where a Mala woman is holding a lone protest outside the HSC offices at the West End in Mallow. This is to highlight mental health issues in this country. Brown Cattle from Mallow joins me. Good morning to you, Brona. Good morning. First of all, this is your third day outside the HSE offices in Mallow, and yeah. you're doing this to raise awareness of mental health issues in this country and how they are dealt with ever before COVID came. Yes, yes. I, I want to stress that point. This, you know, I'm highlighting this because this was happening before COVID hit this country, you know. And do you feel there's still a stigma when it comes to mental health issues in this country? Yes, there is still a stigma attached to mental health. Um, you know, a lot of people that have come up to me and spoken to me, you know, they, people can feel the stigma because people are kind of afraid to stand up and say, oh, I suffer from depression or I suffer from bipolar or anything like that, you know. And why do you think that is? Is it because of the way we deal with mental health in this country or just the attitude around mental health issues? I think, to be honest, it's a mixture of both. It's a mixture of both. And because with mental health, you can't... If you had a broken arm, someone can see the broken arm. But with mental health, because you look normal, people don't realise that you are actually suffering as well, you know? 
So is it a case that you would have people who are walking around, they may be smiling, they may yes, look yes. like they are happy or in a happy place yes. when deep down they're not? Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And how do you feel then about the services that are provided in this country to deal with those situations of mental health? I mean, what do you make of the HSC services and other services that are out there? Well, I don't think the services are good enough. And I think that if the people in the services showed more compassion for people with mental health, it would go a long, long way. Now, I'm not... People might say I'm branding everybody in the mental health services bad. I'm not. I'm just making a point that if people were treated with more compassion, when they go into the mental health services, it would help people a lot. And when you say that, what do you mean by more compassion? Do you feel that there's a lack? Well, I feel that that they're not being listened to, that they're being talked down to instead of talked at and you know at the end of the day these are we are human beings we do have feelings you know we we can think we're not you know sometimes they can be a bit condescending when they're talking to so do you feel if someone's going in to see i don't know a therapist or or a counselor or somebody in relation to mental health issues that they need to be more aware of how they deal with a person in a situation? Yes, yes, exactly, yes, yes, exactly, yeah. And do you feel now more than ever we need a strong mental health service in this country? Oh, yes, because COVID is going to have a very big impact on people with mental health because they can't get out, they can't meet people. A lot of people are probably stuck in the house all day long. They have no outside contact with anyone. It's the families that also suffer because people think with mental health, it's only you that suffers. It's not. It's the family that suffers as well. You know, it's your parents, your brother, your sister, your niece, your nephew, your uncle, your aunt, you know. That's a wider effect uh, to the area, yes, not yes, just yourself. Yes, yeah. Because people think that mental illness, it just affects you. No, it it affects communities, it affects families. People need to, you know, think about that, you know. And have you heard from people who might be losing out on accessing mental health services oh, due yes. to COVID? I've, I've, since I've been here, this is my third day running with this. And people have come up to me and they've told me their stories. Um, you know their experience and things like that and that's been great as well that's helped me keep going and you know people might say oh it's just me ranting or whatever like that but I'm just trying to do something because the more people stand up and do something the more they're going to have to take notice that's what the problem is that people don't stand up about mental health and because of that the services you know, the services aren't there either, you know. Yeah, and we've heard from young people over the years who felt uh, they were slow to approach anybody about mental health issues because of what you mentioned earlier regarding uh, that stigma. But Would they you... shouldn't because at the end of the day, I'm also doing this for young people, for kids, for 14, 15-year-old, 16-year-old kids, you know, that are afraid 
say, oh, I suffer from depression, when they shouldn't be. Because just because you can't see someone suffering, it doesn't mean that they're not suffering. And that's, I think that's the big problem with it, you know. And have you got much support from the people in Mallow over the last yes, number of days? I, I, yeah. I have had people bring me tea and coffee. I've had people bring me sandwiches. I've had people come up and talk to me. Obviously, not everyone's going to agree with what I'm doing, but that's fine by me. I'm just doing it to try and help people and try to highlight something, and I'm getting great support. And I want to thank all those people that have come down, given me a cup of tea, talk to me. I want to thank all those people because I really do appreciate it. Was there any Gardaí or anybody moved you on over the no, course? No, now in fairness to the Gardaí they were very good with me and um, they came down I explained the situation in a calm way, what I was doing and they had no problem with it. So while you stand outside the offices there of the HSE, what are you hoping now this will achieve? Is it awareness and maybe those in power to look at the mental health services in this yes, country? like, you know, those in power to look at the mental health services. The TDs in Dáil Éireann, the local TDs in Mallow, the local TDs in Cork, councillors, people like that, you know, that has a voice and can, if they did more, like, more of it, you know... I wouldn't have to be standing here either, you know? Yeah, true. Anyhow, Bruna, thanks for contacting us this morning and raising awareness of mental health issues. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks. Okay, Brona Murphy there, or Brona Cattle, sorry, uh, they're joining us uh, from outside the HSC offices in West End and Mallow, highlighting the mental health issues and the stigma that she feels is still around mental health. When people say they have an issue regarding mental health, uh, she feels the stigma is still there and uh, that is at this stage not recognised properly by the state and by our health services uh, your views are welcome 1850 or you can text or whatsapp 86 good morning 1850 lines open Bernie and Sadie taking your calls across the show this morning if there's something you want to raise in the show or indeed comment on what we are discussing across the programme today you can always text or whatsapp 86 your email jp at c103.ie earlier this morning we spoke with Verona Murphy the Wexford TD on how and why she has decided to reduce her salary from the Doyle to the pandemic unemployment payment the PUP or as many people call it the COVID payment so she has reduced her salary to 350 a week she is saying this is solidarity to those who have lost their jobs over the last number of weeks and even those small retailers we heard from on Tuesday who were annoyed that they have to close and now their staff and some of, uh, of themselves as well are all on the PUP payment. So with that, a lot of reaction to this and our discussion with Verona earlier, she outlined the reason why she has done this uh, and why by, whereby she knew that uh, people would think it's tokenism and that it's populist. She wants to show solidarity uh, with those who are affected with everything that is going on because she herself would have been and still is uh, a businesswoman and knows what it's like to run a business on this. The texter here is saying Verona would still be better off if she is out of the house and claiming expenses. A person on PUP 
if they're at home, it, they're using more utilities at home uh, and there's no allowances for meals or anything like that. So uh, not a total uh, agreeance with what Verona is doing. While PJ says it's ironic she's reducing her wage. She has her own transport company, uh, claims PJ, and she's making plenty of money off that, says PJ. She's making out she's wonderful and is with the people of Ireland. But nothing, uh, this is but only a publicity stunt. While John says I applaud what Verona is doing, but I think... I think what she should have done is take the full salary and take the 350 euros for herself and give the rest of it to local charities or indeed people that actually are in need. Then people would support her more on her move. And a texter here is saying Verona's idea would only suit the well-heeled. It would be out of the question for the ordinary Joe with loans every day and that can't take out a mortgage holiday either so it might suit her but for the ordinary Joe it won't suit us we can't take a break from a mortgage says that texter while Tom in Rathcormack uh, says when we are talking or Verona is talking about everybody uh, taking cuts uh, in the public life uh, like they have done in other countries and what she has done on her salary uh, Tom feels that the President Michael D should also cut his salary he could well afford to do it and that would show solidarity to the people people who are suffering uh, money-wise during all of this. While Liz, when we were discussing with Verona about the pay and should, because other countries like, like New Zealand have done this, should the uh, gang at Inkster House just have a total cut in what has happened in the majority of private companies across this country and indeed across the world. There's been huge cuts in uh, private organisations because of what has happened over the last year with the global pandemic. And Liz says it's beyond disgusting that TDs have taken a 2% wage increase in the middle of this crisis. And this was something that was negotiated before COVID came in. Uh, so they were entitled to do this 2%, which was across the public service. Uh, they are public servants, so they fell into that category and why some politicians, a lot of the independents uh, ones, have not taken the 2% increase. The majority have. And Liz saying... Given everything that's going on at the moment, it was a disgrace that that 2% wage increase continued for the politicians. And we know that it was across the public service, but maybe something should have been done in relation to the politicians. Liz, thank you for your text to 0862103103. And that's following our discussion with Verona earlier in the show. We discussed last week about the clocks and the clocks going back as they did at the weekend. And people had mixed views on this. And it could be the last time the clocks are being turned back. Uh, that discussion still ongoing in Europe uh, but hopefully it looks like it could be the last time we turn back the clocks Uh, something official still needed on that but it looks like that's the way it's going to go anyhow Jill making the point and wanted to know what other feels and other listeners feel about this situation Uh, regarding the change of time uh, Jill says I wish it stayed at summertime as the day would be getting bright anyway and it is very dark and very hard to have a dark long evening please leave it at summertime Uh, they should have done that roll on the summer says Jill I think everybody is saying roll on the summer Jill and would you agree with Jill while there's not much we can do this year on it uh, for looking ahead to the future and what they're doing in Europe with this uh, daylight savings proposal and the change in daylight savings that 
hopefully when we increase and, and put the clocks forward again in March, uh, that they will stay that way and that we will have longer evenings, uh, a bit more brightness anyhow in our evenings this time next year. Uh, Jill, not happy with the dark evenings and feels we should have left it at summertime, especially everything going on this year with Level 5 and the lockdown. So I, I would think a lot of people would agree with Jill on that. You would like to go home. I mean, I was leaving here yesterday evening at about 5.30 and it was pitch dark. You drive you off the Mallow Road back to the city and, you know, it could have been, if you were doing this a few months ago, it would have been half 11 at night. So you're driving to work in the dark. And those of you who are lucky enough to drive to work in the dark, the majority of people, of course, are working from home. And as we've heard earlier, people have lost their jobs. But if you are lucky enough still to be an essential worker and those who are and have to drive into the office or, or, or a courier service or whatever you're doing or working in a hospital situation, you will be aware that mo- for, for most people now, you are getting up in the dark and you are driving home in the dark so would you agree with Jill uh, and when it comes to schools even in the mornings it is, it is dark and in the evenings well schools finish a bit earlier but by the time you're home and everything is is done even for children there's not much point of even though it's cold and you can't be doing much outside it's dark uh, at five o'clock so I think most people would agree with Jill on that and hopefully we will have that situation next year but it is uh, disappointing it's not in this year uh, considering what we are dealing with at the moment so Jill thank you for your text on Daylight Save and on contract tracing that was brought up as well when we were speaking to uh, Rona Murphy earlier on in the programme and the reason that a lot of people feel that we're in uh, this situation of a lockdown is because the mess that was made with tracing and contact tracing in this country and only for the good fortune of a lot of people telling their friends that they have COVID-19 or that they are going for a test. Some people would not know until it's too late and would spread the disease across their community. On this, uh, a texter here is saying, my friends uh, tried to get a job as a tracer and she was a mature lady. She came to about page 12 of the application form and she was asked to upload her actual leaving cert, not just the results, the official cert. She had done this in the 70s, the leaving cert that is. The HSC could have not organised nice uh, playpen uh, it's just unbelievable and, and you're right that has come out before for those who were hoping to help out a lot of people who were retired a lot, I think there was one retired GP who went along to see if they could help out and become a contact tracer to help the situation in this country and they again were asked to fill in a number of forms and one of those were asked for their leaving set results but you're saying your friend was asked for the actual cert uh, so you'd wonder then why we have a delay with contact tracing when they're asking for that. And a texter in asking, any idea how many COVID cases were in Cork in the, the city and county yesterday? Well, yesterday for Cork, there was 104 cases in Cork yesterday. And we will have a breakdown of the different regions in Cork on the show tomorrow. They usually release that data on Thursday afternoons. And earlier on, we spoke with Brona. Brona is holding a protest outside the HSC offices in Mallow regarding mental health issues, how they're dealt with by the state and by the Department of Health and by the HSC and the stigma that still surrounds people when they come out and they say, I have a, an issue with my mental health or I feel depressed. And Brona was making the point, there is a stigma still around that when people come out and come forward with their problems. Well, on this, a texter here is saying, with regards to what Brona is doing, uh, this person is in West Cork and what she is doing in Mallow, 
uh, they say there should really be a centre in West Cork that people can go to during the day and have different activities available to them and qualify people to listen to them, especially on their road to recovery. It is not good enough to give them antidepressants and let them get on with all, uh, by with everything by themselves. And especially if they are discharged from a hospital situation, this should be done long before now, says this person on WhatsApp. And I suppose you are right on that and there is a lot of help in that region whereby, for one, off the top of my head, we've spoken with Noreen before from Lishin's House and they provide a service for people in a situation where they need to talk to someone and there's other services out there as well. So if you ever do feel you need to discuss uh, with somebody a situation that has resulted in you leaving the hospital for mental health issues or you're going through something in West Cork there is Lishin's house and there's a range of other services as well so they are there but I know what you're saying there should be an official service from the health departments in those regions uh, something that Brona is saying they need to invest in and improve uh, right across the country not only a Cork issue uh, an issue right across Ireland and the roundabout in Mallow which has caused a lot of concern over the last number of years for people. Remember the the horse that was on the and the rider that were on that roundabout? They were removed. They're still in storage, I presume. They haven't come out yet of hiding, but they were in storage. They must be in storage at this stage for two years or more. Anyhow, uh, Ronnie in Mallow has been in touch and she's asking about the roundabout because she says the Mallow roundabout, the main Annabella roundabout in Mallow, is looking very shabby. She says some of the big red letters have gone missing. Have they gone missing? She says they're gone missing and it would be nice to have it decorated for Christmas. Yes, I think it would be nice to have that decorated for Christmas considering everything going on. It would brighten up uh, the main roads travelling from Cork to Limerick and especially the uh, Mallow area also. Uh, to have uh, some Christmas activity on that roundabout without distracting the drivers too much driving around the roundabout but it would be a nice gesture uh, Ronnie uh, the red letters and people if you're in the Mallow area or North Cork you'll be very familiar with the big Mallow uh, red letters on this roundabout they spell out the the, the word the, the town of Mallow uh, but if you're not familiar with them they're, they're on the roundabout you can miss them as you approach and leave the Mallow area or travelling through going to Limerick at the Annabella roundabout but uh, the red letters have gone missing. No, I haven't. I, and Bernie's saying they have. I haven't actually noticed that. And I, I suppose I haven't driven on that roundabout uh, for a while because where the studio is situated in Mallow, it's in Goose Hill, a bit outside the town on the Cork side. And a lot of you, we can drive in here without going through that roundabout into the actual town. But uh, we'd have to take a look at that. Uh, why have the letters gone missing? There was roadworks I know being carried out on that stretch of road for the last few months. But unless that has something to do with it, I don't see why the letters would have had to be removed. Any idea? Anybody know why the uh, Mallow letters, some of them have gone missing uh, off the roundabout? We'll have to check that one out. If you're in the know, let us know. Call Bernie, 1850 333103. Text or WhatsApp, 086-2103-103. And yesterday we had calls from a listener in Mitchellstown who was asking about shows in Fermoy if they were open or if she could collect an item that she uh, has ordered in her in that store uh, that you can collect before Christmas well uh, thank you to the store manager in Shaw's Infermoy who was listening and heard that lady and has got in contact with us so thank you for your response uh, they have said that obviously enough due to level 5 restrictions all non-essential retails outlets have had to close their doors and all staff are being told to stay at home so you can tell this customer that she will be able to collect her item from Shaw's Infermoy when they are able to open their store again hopefully in December so thank you uh, to the store manager 
manager of Shaw's in Formoy. So for those who were in contact with us on that lady in Mitchellstown yesterday, you can collect your item when Shaw's reopen again in Formoy and hopefully that will be in December. And thank you to Shaw's for getting back to us on that. Your views and your calls are welcome. 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 86 On the way, we're going to hear how and why so many rare birds are being poisoned and even attacked here in the Cork area. C103 Jobs. And we have opportunities today for carers and cleaning staff required for Brookfield Care Centre in Liam Lara. Carers required FATAC Level 5 certification and you can send your CVs to hr at brookfieldcc.ie. Banning College coaches, they currently have a vacancy for a driver on their school transport contracts. You can contact them on 021-487-3828 or email balcoach at aircom.net. And an electrician and general operative is required for the North Cork area. Area. Safe pass is essential. You can contact 087-784-5828 for further details and you'll find these jobs and a lot more job opportunities online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. Rare birds of prey have recently had their legs cut. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And others we've heard earlier on this year have been poisoned. Niall Hatch joins me from Birdwatch Ireland on this. Good morning to you, Niall. Good morning. I suppose, is there any idea of why these cases are happening? I mean, earlier this year, we had a case here in the Cork area in the Cork McSherry, Tim Malig area of buzzards being killed. 
Yes, uh, the, the, the League incident was the, the worst on record in the state, which is absolutely appalling. It was 23 birds found uh, uh, there. And of course, when, when we, birds of prey are poisoned, we know the ones that are found are just the tip of the iceberg because most of them will go, feel very poorly, they'll hide away and they'll die in secret. Their, uh, their carcasses will never be found. So we know that when we see an incident of that size, it, it really is literally the tip of the iceberg. Uh, as to why someone would want to do that, uh, it's, it's completely beyond me. I don't know. Um, the, the, the thing is, of course, that uh, these birds are... Um, a wonderful benefit to our ecosystem. Buzzards were wiped out in Ireland and were virtually, virtually extinct uh, until um, a few decades ago when they, they gradually recolonised Ireland. Um, naturally, they, they, they start off in, in the north of Ulster, came down through Leinster, uh, where I'm speaking to you from to you now from uh, from from North Wicklow, they're a common sight here again. We I see them every day over my garden. It's taken longer for them to spread to other parts of the country, but now they're finally breeding in all 32 counties again. Uh, and the message, of course, is that they're a great benefit. They uh, they they feed on on rats, rabbits, and young crows. That's their favourite food. And they're, they're no threat whatsoever to livestock. We know that the vast majority of farmers and landowners realise that, that these birds are nothing but a benefit around a farm. And indeed, uh, I should point out with the Timothy incident, it, it was the, the farmer who found the birds on his land and was horrified by what had happened and, and reported it. And so why it would happen, I'm, I'm not sure, but certainly uh, more needs to be done to tackle this problem. And you mentioned the, the Timalik incident uh, at the time when we were discussing this. No one would speak to us on air, but some were saying that they were, that buzzards were harmful to livestock. W- would that be true? It's absolutely untrue, and let me categorically state that, absolutely not. In fact, they're a benefit to livestock. Uh, buzzards, um, they're, they're mainly scavengers. They scavenge on dead things. So certainly um, a buzzard may scavenge on a dead or stillborn lamb, but it, there's no way it would kill one. It wouldn't even be capable of doing so. And in fact, um, you know, the, removing buzzards from, from, from farming areas would be, uh, would be very counterproductive because they, they control crows, they control rats, uh, they control rabbits, so they're actually a benefit to, to, to livestock. So let me categorically state Buzzards and, uh, and other birds of prey like that in Ireland, including red kites and hen harriers, they are no threat whatsoever to livestock. And then what we're hearing over the last year here, I mean, the, the awful incident of a, a bird having their legs cut off and the poisoning we, we've discussed over the last year, mm. and not only here in Cork, but elsewhere as well in the country. I mean, what is the reason behind this? Because I presume this is illegal if someone is ever caught doing this. Oh, it's, it's it's completely illegal. It's a serious crime under the Wildlife Act. Absolutely, uh, the killing of uh, of any wild bird is, but particularly um, these species are, are particularly protected, and uh, many of the birds of prey in Ireland, like the hen harrier, are particularly rare. Um, again, I can't get into the mind frame of someone who would want to do something like this. Um, it may come down to ignorance. It may come down to wanton destruction. Um, obviously, it just takes uh, you know a few rotten apples to spoil the barrel. You know, the vast majority of people have have no animosity towards our birds of prey, but poison is such a an indiscriminate weapon of mass destruction. Uh, that uh, these birds that would scavenge um, have have no have no chance of survival. Um, some of the poisoning does seem to be deliberately aimed at these birds, a lot of it, and some of it may be um, inadvertent, people leaving out poisoned meat bait perhaps to kill foxes and crows. Just to stress that itself is a serious crime. The use of any kind of poisoned meat um, in Ireland as a bait um, to kill things is, is completely illegal uh, and because it's so indiscriminate. Uh, so that's, that's important. So uh, I think it's a combination of deliberate persecution and accidental poisoning that is still itself highly illegal. And it's very hard to catch somebody that could be doing this, you know, unless you have CCTV or whatever, because birds will fly, birds will be in in a wide location, so it might not be possible to catch those people. But the Wildlife Act you mentioned there, does that need to get tougher? Well, 
the, 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 the situation here in Ireland is that our actual legislation for wildlife protection is among the best in the world. It's extremely good. Where Ireland falls down is in the enforcement of that legislation. So we do need to see better enforcement. We do need to see the courts handing down stricter penalties when people are convicted of wildlife crime. But we need to see more prosecutions, more investigations. We need to see uh, better uh, funding for the National Parks and Wildlife Service to enforce the Wildlife Act. We need to see better li- uh, liaison with Zangarda Shiakona. We need to see the establishment of a wildlife crime unit, uh, which uh, the government, um, I'm pleased to say, has been last few days has pledged to do next year. It's been long overdue. Um, we need to tackle this properly because it, it's posing a threat um, not just to our wildlife and uh, to our biodiversity, which, which is, is terrible enough. It's posing a serious threat to human health um, because these poisons, they're, they're incredibly toxic. If somebody found a bird in distress with this poison, the, the poison that was used in Timaleague is something called carbofuran, uh, that would that be fatal to human. Two drops in, in a person's mouth or getting to the corner of their eye would be fatal. Um, so we're talking a very, very toxic substance. It's also affecting Ireland's reputation internationally because this is seen as Middle Ages, medieval, barbaric behaviour. It's something that many other countries across Europe have stamped out years ago, and it's seen as really something from the Dark Ages. So, uh, you know, it really has to stop for, for many reasons. You mentioned the wildlife unit there. What benefit would that be if we have problems then with the best act in Europe, we can't enforce the laws? What benefit is this wildlife unit going to be then to us? Would that be able to enforce uh, the, what's happening here with people harming those birds more, or how would that work? That's certainly our hope, yes, because what's happening at the moment is a lack of joined up thinking, there's a lack of sharing resources between the National Parks and Wildlife Service and Angarda Shiakana and indeed uh, NGOs and charities such as ourselves in Birdwatch Ireland. Uh, you know, very often uh, it's not known how to record wildlife crime, it's not being properly investigated, it's very difficult to get accurate statistics because different uh, Garda units are recording in different ways if it's being recorded at all. Uh, public, the members of the public don't know how to report it, where, where you know, information should go to, um, all of these kind of things. So we we're hoping that a wildlife crime unit will help to formalise all of those processes and procedures and make it make the investigation of these crimes much more effective. And when we mention rare birds, I mean, what type of birds? I know we're mentioning buzzards and a few there, but overall, what type of rare birds have we here in Ireland that are being harmed by this and, and that, that we do require and that are unique to this part of the world? Well, um, so obviously when it comes to things like uh, poisoning, birds of prey are particularly affected. So it's affecting things like the reintroduced white-tailed eagles that uh, were brought back into County Kerry, the golden eagles that have been brought back into Donegal, the uh, red kites which have been reintroduced um, in, in County Wicklow, County Dublin and also in County Down. Uh, also birds like hen harriers which um, are, are struggling in Ireland at the moment. Um, they wander quite widely particularly in the winter. They're having a very hard time because of illegal poisoning but also because of habitat loss, habitat destruction which is a big problem for them. We're also seeing um, poisoning through rat poisons affecting birds that eat rodents. So this, people aren't deliberately targeting species like, uh, like barn owls, short-haired owls and kestrels, but because they're feeding largely on rats and mice that have poison in their systems, these poisons are getting into them, to their bodies and affecting them. So that's just the, you know, the, the poisoning side of things. Other rare birds are very much threatened by, uh, by destruction of wetlands, by pollution, by destruction of our peat bogs, by climate change, uh, by the destruction of hedgerows during the breeding season especially, uh, by, uh, by, by you know, unsuitable farming practices in some areas where you know, more could be done to support biodiversity. And, and we, we're very much of the, of the view that the farmers who do the most to support biodiversity deserve to be rewarded for that. It's very important that the money provided by the EU go to that. There's so many things hitting our nature at once. And, uh, you know, it's actually a relentless onslaught on wildlife in Ireland at the moment, and it really needs to stop. 
Yeah, and hopefully what the farmers are doing and this wildlife unit will help uh, to protect those rare birds we mentioned there. Before I let you go, Niall, we have Annette, or Antoinette, sorry, and McCroom has been in touch with us. And she wants some advice. I'm not too sure if you can help her or not with this, but she says she is some type of hawk, speckled brown, the same size as a pigeon, hanging around her garden for the past week. Now, the crows are bullying him. Would Niall have any advice for her and how does she go about to feed him? Well, uh, so it sounds to me that it's most likely a sparrowhawk, probably a female sparrowhawk, based on, on the, the size and the, and the coloration. The sparrowhawk is probably our most common bird of prey, uh, and luckily it's one of the, the few that isn't in any trouble in Ireland. It's doing it's doing very, very well. Uh, it's also the bird of prey which is by far most likely to, to, the most likely to visit a, a typical garden in Ireland, and sometimes they, 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 they will try and, and catch birds to come to bird feeders. They, they feed on other birds. So that's what they do. Uh, the crows um, dislike them because um, they see any bird of prey as a threat. Um, now, to be fair, a sparrowhawk probably isn't much of a threat to a, to a full-size crow, but still this, this instinct is there that they have to drive them away. Sparrowhawks hunt using the element of surprise. They ambush their prey. So what the crows and the other birds try to do when they spot one is they try to make a lot of fuss so the element of surprise is ruined so the bird will move on. So that's part and parcel of nature. And uh, hopefully the sparrowhawk will learn to be a bit more secretive or will learn to keep a lower profile stay away from the crows. But that's, that's, that's the way they often behave towards each other. Okay, uh, hopefully that helps Antoinette there in McCroom for the moment. Niall, thanks for joining us and we'll see what happens over the next few weeks regarding that wildlife unit and wildlife act. Uh, But thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Thank you. Uh, That's Niall Hatch there from Birdwatch Ireland. Uh, regarding that news uh, and, and something we have reported on earlier on this year from the Timaleague area regarding those buzzards but rare birds being poisoned and having their legs cut off and why it's happening we don't know uh, I mean we, we did go into the detail there that came up earlier on this year about livestock but it seems buzzards don't have or, or can't interfere or, or aren't harmful to livestock that was one of the uh, issues that was coming up earlier on this year in January when we discussed this initially on the show but as you heard Nala say there there's no reasons and that they will uh, be attacking the, those buzzards attacking livestock or are harmful to livestock so why this happens we don't know but your views are welcome on that do we need to bring in more enforcement when it comes to protecting our wildlife Life 1850 333103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 Our guard next. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 Time for this week's Garda file. We're joined by Sergeant John Kelly uh, for my Garda station. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, John Paul. And you want to start this week with two break-ins at businesses in Mallow. That's correct, John Paul. Uh, two break-ins. Uh, one one was at uh, Lidl. The other one one was at Apple Green there in Despair. Now, both of them, we, we are following uh, a different line of inquiry in regarding both of them. They both occurred in the early hours of yesterday morning. That's Wednesday morning, 28. Uh, one between 1 and one fifteen. The, the second one was about uh, 10, 10 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes before it. Uh, very, very little were, was taken in both instances. But as I said, we are following a definite line of inquiry and we would hope to have a successful conclusion to those. Um, the next incident that I want to let you know about um, is something that we have seen occurring uh, quite a bit in Dublin. We've seen it in Limerick. We've seen it in other, other areas around the country. We didn't see it in our division here for a few years, but there's a couple of incidents, and this is one of them, where catalytic converters have been stolen from, from cars. Now, it seems that the, the gangs involved are 
very well equipped. They have battery-powered angle grinders. They're slipping in under the cars and they're they're cutting off the catalytic converter. Um, now, this particular one, we'd appeal to anyone if they saw any car acting suspiciously in the area of Abbey View Buttevant on the 21st of October last between 10 and 11 p.m. at night. 21st of October, that would be early on well, last Wednesday week, the morning last Wednesday week, Abbey View and Buttevant. And there was a car there and uh, the catalytic converter was, was stolen from it. Now, they're taking them for the value of the rare earth elements that are in them. There's rhodium, there's palladium, there's platinum, all in very, very minute amounts. Um, recently now up the country there was a car uh, intercepted by uh, my colleagues and there was a huge amount of catalytic converters in, in, in a car that was intercepted up the country. So they are being disposed of uh, obviously through uh, probably some, some scrap dealer through, through the country. You know, but just to let people know, if they see people acting suspiciously coming out from under a car, you know, that is quite likely what they may have been attempting. Especially you know, so, at eleven o'clock and on a weeknight. Absolutely, but I've seen one. I've seen one recently. I'm going back a couple of months ago. That was done in the car park in Formoy in the middle of the day. Oh. You know. So and how long, the, John? Do you know how long it takes to take this catalytic converter out? Is I mean that that basically is more or less the engine of the car. It's the running of the car. So with that out of your car, your, your car won't be functional. And is it a, a big job? Is it a small job? I mean, how long would they be underneath the car? Do, do you roughly know that's what a, people should be watching out for? It's an expensive job. It's an yeah. expensive job. It's five or six hundred euros. Uh, I, I'd say at the very least, right? Uh, now, they could be under the car for as little as uh, a minute or two, or minute and a half, two minutes. That's I fast. saw a couple of videos up on YouTube. Uh, I know one in particular that I saw from, from London and they literally brought their, their own mini jack in up uh, cut it off and, and literally gone which, within the space of about two minutes. W- Well-practiced operators, you know. Um, some cars, I, I know some of the cars that were vulnerable were the cars that were higher off the ground, uh, you know, um, obviously SUVs that you were able, that you had a bit of clearance to walk underneath, you know. So just for people to bear in mind, if they see anything suspicious, please give your local guard station a ring on that. Um couple of other things I want to mention, uh, John Paul, in those times with uh, COVID restrictions um, impacting, say, on the next two items. Um, and that's basically, if anybody is going for a COVID test and they come up to a guard checkpoint, you know, I just ask them, just keep the windows up, um, please, you know, for, for the safety of themselves and for the safety of my guard colleagues, just display uh, on their mobile phone or maybe an email printout just the fact that they're going for a COVID test. So, again... Everybody wear, you know, everybody wear masks, you know, and uh, just to keep keep everyone safe, keep the community safe. But as I said, keep the window up and display their um, display their uh, test appointment either on the phone or, or on an email that they that they will have. Yeah, that, that's something you wouldn't have thought about, but yeah, it does make sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. So and John, then, just one question that keeps coming in. It came up the last time and it's come again, in again this time around. Uh, when you are stopped at a guard at checkpoint and if you were showing the guardie a letter or in this situation your window's closed and you're showing them a letter or, or, mm-hmm. or your letter might be on the phone. A lot of people would have the, the letter stored yeah. on the phone. Is it okay to pick up your phone and show the guard what's on your phone that you, you can't be it's common sense I know that they, a guard won't yeah. do this but it's common sense that they won't, you won't be prosecuted for picking up or using your phone while you're stopped at a checkpoint oh, Absolutely not yeah. Absolutely not John Paul you know I mean uh, like look uh, 
when, when, when flights were flying, I mean, you were used to your, your boarding pass nowadays being on a mm. phone, you know. You're not driving after all. You're stopped at the checkpoint and you're displaying a piece of information which is contained in your mo- on your mobile phone. And after all, your mobile phone is like a mini computer inside the government's pocket yeah. now. So there is a lot of information on it. So, yeah, there is no problem with that. You, 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 as I said, you're stopped at the checkpoint. You take out, you, you take it out, you, you display it to the guard, you know, uh, you know, the information that's contained on it, you know. OK, well, that, um, will, that will answer that question for a lot of people who were on to us inquiring about it at the start of the year. We presume that would be the case, but uh, there we are, uh, the answer from uh, from the source itself. You want to raise something else? Two these related, are two related, two related issues. Things, two related things. Um, one one legal and one illegal, right? Pheasant shooting is supposed to kick off on 1st of November, right? So I suppose like like all sporting act, act, activities, that isn't happening this year. The only thing that's happening is uh, the shooting of on farmlands because that is an essential support service for the farming community. You know, for instance, the shooting of, you know, foxes, you know, rats, crows, anything like that. That's an essential support service for our farmers. Um, but the, so the, the pheasant pheasant shooting is not. Pheasant shooting is a sporting activity and like all other sporting act, act, activities, you know, is not is not to take place. Um, the next item, as I said, is, is, is related and that's lamping. And lamping is is a problem every every year throughout the country. You know, for farmers, you know, they they see those lights going, you know, on in their fields at night, and maybe shots being fired in some instances. You know, under Section Forty Four of the Wildlife Act, you know, it's not necessary for 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 the farmer themselves to uh, if if they have a problem with lamping on their lands to make a statement. You know, to secure a prosecution. You know, all it is is for them to. Contact the guardies straight away. Once the guardies see the trespassers on the land and that they're engaged in in, in lamping and activities like that, um, they will be able to take a prosecution. The guardie will be able to take a prosecution in their own right. So, as I said, it is a problem now. The, the five-kilometre limit will deter a lot of it at the moment because we find it's particularly in North Cork, and I know down in Churchtown South, there's quite a lot of it happening in, in previous times. A lot of those lampers are coming from the, the city area, you know. So please, um, you know, ring in your local uh, district headquarters and pass on any information that you have, you know, if, if it is a concern for you lamping, in, as I said, in some areas, you know. Yeah, it's very frightening for farmers, but also for people who might be living alone uh, in a house whereby there's a field behind the house, not their field, but Absolutely. it's owned by somebody else. We get a lot of Absolutely. calls from people who were very scared at three or four o'clock in the morning seeing torches in the field and behind them. And probably for for a lot of elderly people living on a, on the loan, that torch, uh, you know, at four o'clock in the morning out in the field. I mean, that's the last of their sleep for the night. Yeah, oh, you know, totally. Because yeah. everything goes through their mind, you know. And uh, so, I mean, like uh, they may think the lampers concerned, they may think they're you, you know engaging. You, you know, just in hares or rabbits, whatever, but they are causing a lot of fear for, you know, people, uh, you know, people living on their own when they see, you know, lights on in the field at night, you know. So, as I say, you know, make a report to your local district headquarters and uh, we'll, we'll attend to it. Okay, John, well, thank you for that and thank you for this week's Garda file. That is starting John Kelly there joining us from Fermoy Garda Station. Three, your lines are open 1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie taking your calls or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And while we were speaking there on our Garda file regarding lamping, uh, Jane in the North Cork area has texted in to say, yes, I agree. It is awful to be in a house on your own late at night uh, when you see torches 
office in the middle of a field. I don't own a farm. I do live near a farm, but I have a field behind me, which is owned by our farmer, who's my next door neighbour. And he has been plagued by lampers over the last, especially two to three years. But one morning at 4am, I was blinded because I wasn't sleeping properly, looked over towards the curtains and I could see this light shining in. I was so, so scared and I did not sleep for the rest of the night. So we agree uh, with uh, Sergeant Kelly from Formoy. It is the last sleep you will get when you see that activity happening in a field behind you. Not just for farmers, the worry is also ordinary householders who live in rural areas. Thank you, Jane, in North Cork. And on the issue of mass, I know uh, a few texts this morning is there any change to mass in level five because we have been discussing about small retailers and we have been discussing about marts, but a few texts have come in asking about mass. And the latest on this is that the Taoiseach, he has met with the heads of the Catholic Church about the effects of the ongoing COVID-19 restrictions under Level 5. Of course, we now know that all masses and indeed all mass services have moved online while 25 people can attend a funeral or a wedding. But the archbishops of the church said there needs to be an emphasis on reaching out to those who feel isolated and indeed marginalised in their community. So those talks uh, have concluded, but as yet uh, still there will be no mass in Level 5, all moved to online. And regarding the roundabout in Mallow, which Ronnie mentioned earlier, and this is how some of the letters have gone missing off the roundabout at the Annabella roundabout in Mallow, the main junction there when you're travelling from Cork to Limerick. And yeah, we've had a few calls on this and uh, Bernie has said as well that she's noticed some of the letters are gone missing. We're not too sure if it was due to a, a car crash or w- are they doing works or, or what the reason is. We'll try and get to the bottom of that. But people uh, feel, yeah, they should be brought back and they should make sure the roundabout looks well for the Mallow area for Christmas and it will brighten up people's journeys travelling around Mallow but also travelling uh, from Cork to Limerick depending on what restrictions we have of course at that time uh, but without distracting drivers people do want the roundabout some way looking respectable for the Christmas period and if we can help this person out here on a text this is from uh, a person describes themselves as a single man in Kenturk and he says Hi John Paul do you know anyone out there where single people can meet up or indeed they can just chat to females or friends even. I'm a single man in Kenturk and with everything going on at the moment with these restrictions I'm finding it hard to meet people, to meet single people. So where can I meet them? And at the moment with the restrictions it can't be done but is there certain places online where you can meet up and how can you go and actually arrange to meet somebody? Uh, can somebody help out our friend in Kenturk? This is a single man who wants to meet someone. I don't know the person's age uh, or uh, your status or, or what you're into or anything like that. But uh, what's the advice out there? A single man in Kenturk uh, who wants to meet another single person, obviously enough. How do you do that during COVID? It will have to be more or less done online, but what advice can you give them? Any ideas? Uh, let us know. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or you can call us 1850 On the way after C103 News at 11, we will be speaking to Jane, of course, our vet on the show, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. The same numbers if you have a question for Jane. She'll be along after 12.30. Our lines are open across the afternoon, 
1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie taking those calls. Text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103. And just uh, a few texts into us earlier on in the show. First of all, this is a WhatsApp. Uh, we were speaking about the uh, PUP, the pandemic unemployment payment earlier. Uh, this texter says, I was working 15 hours a week. I am on disability allowance, but now I've lost my job over this virus. And I was told I am not entitled to any money. And I presume when you say any money that you weren't entitled to the PUP. Uh, if I were you, and I don't know your, your exact situation when it comes to you, you mentioned disability allowance, but we were checking up with, with a citizen's information on this. And if you maybe contact them and they can investigate that further for you in relation to your situation, uh, it does depend on everybody's situation, but maybe no harm to check in with them. And when we spoke to Verona Murphy earlier, the Wexford TD who has decided to reduce her wages to go on the pandemic unemployment payment, her dull wage now down to uh, three fifty. So she feels she's showing solidarity with those who have lost her jobs, but she still can claim expenses on that. A texter saying, get rid of their expenses. What a waste of taxpayers' money. They should pay their way like everybody else. And John says, where else would you get a job where you have a bar in your workplace and you can claim expenses for this, that and the other thing? Yes, I know many companies do put up their employees and you can explain, get expenses back such as travel, such as accommodation. But our gang in Dolaren simply get too much expenses and I think they get a higher rate than a lot of those who are working for private companies. So thank you for your text, John. On daylight saving time, Jill earlier making the point that you wished we stayed in summertime to have longer evenings. A listener in Formoy says, yes, I wish the clocks would stay at summertime. It's very unfair to people living alone in the country. We're terrified in the evenings. It's dark way too early, says that listener in Formoy. We made that point earlier that a lot of people would have preferred especially with everything going on at the moment to have the brighter evenings rather than the dark evenings we face I think it was around 5 o'clock when it got dark yesterday evening anyhow thank you for your calls and texts in relation to those issues and on daylight saving that is being looked at this could be the last year we're turning back the clocks but we'll have to wait and see for official confirmation of that and also speaking of darkness there is an ESB outage in the Duggan area of new two-pot house the electricity will be out there and hopefully we will be restored according to ESB Networks later this evening at around 5 o'clock for those who were calling us regarding that and for our single man in Kanturk uh, he's looking to see where he can meet a single female or where is the best way of going introducing yourself to single females at the moment given the restrictions we have a lot of people who have come back to us on text WhatsApp and calls as well uh, to Sadie and to Bernie and we'll get to those shortly in the programme but if you have any ideas by the way keep those coming for the single man in Kenturk how can he meet up and find uh, a single female uh, that he wants to date he's finding it very tough at the moment uh, or how would I go about it he asks he's in the Kenturk uh, area you can call us 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 with your ideas for that man in Kenturk but let's turn to sport for the moment because the Forest members they have approved the sale of Cork City FC members of the Trust endorsed the board's recommendation and voted in favour of this motion now our soccer correspondent Trevor Welch joins me on this good afternoon to you Trevor Afternoon, uh, JP. Now, was this expected? A lot of talk about this over the last few days and we were told it could be quite tight when it came to this vote, but yeah. was it expected for the for the sale? 
Well, I think just looking at it, uh, JP, you know, there were two sides in this. Those who didn't want to sell and those who wanted to sell and, uh, you know, sell the club one out in the end, uh, which uh, a lot of Forest members obviously will be will be heartbroken about. I suppose, you know, just reading one or two of the comments today from um, board members from Forest, and uh, one of them, uh, just to put you in the picture of how they're feeling, it says, I believe the correct decision was made as much as it pains me. I recognise the bigger picture. I need to secure our future. Unfortunately, um, unfortunately, uh, there was irrepa- irreparable damage uh, done, so it, it means that uh, Forrest were, unab- were unable to continue uh, to run the club. But, um, you know, I do believe as well, I'm hearing just a short time ago, that it's 100% as well uh, ownership for Preston, so that means there won't be any representation of Forrest on the on the board, um, and it's a, it's a total um, takeover, 100% from Trevor Hemmings, who I believe is a good man and his heart is in the right place, but I just hope for Cork Soccer, uh, JP, that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll do it the right way and they're in it for the long haul. And is it true that the sale of this club was for one euro? Yeah, one euro, so that means that um, they'll take on all the liabilities of the club, uh, JP, uh, right down to cutting the grass at Bishopstown, to the electricity bill, to paying the, the players' contracts, wages, um, and, uh, you know, paying out the debt as well. Um, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of figures being branded around, around about how much that Cox City Forests are in debt, but uh, they'll have to wipe out the debt as well. So they'll take on all the liabilities. And just when you mentioned there about Trevor Hemmings, the Preston North End owner, his overall company is Grovemore Limited. They have a lot of interest already here in Cork, haven't they, Trevor? So from a business point of view for him, it might make sense to look and invest in Cork City. Yeah, and I know that's, that's what I was saying. I hope his heart is in the right place. I know he used to come to Cork as a young young, a young lad uh, on the holidays and he, he owns Trebulgan, his horses here. And, uh, you know, from what you'd hear, he's, he's actually buying the club for his son. I think his son will come in and be the chairman of the club. Um, and, um, you know, he sees it as maybe, you know, he's not stupid. He, he'll see it as kind of um, maybe um, a, a business as well that he can get some return. Because he's probably looking at the model of Dundalk, for example, JP. You know, Dundalk in, in the group stages of the Europa League has worked, uh, has worked close to three million. And he's not going to get into Europe with Preston. So he buys this club in Ireland. Have a chance of getting into the the um, European group stages, we'd say of the of Europa League, and uh, he sees that as maybe a way of making money. But you could tell by the way, um, you know, the statement came out today from Peter Ridsdale, who's an advisor to uh, Hemmings and Preston, and he said we have to act quick that we want to get the license in quick um, and uh, make sure that we have the license to operate in football next year, then get Cork City up from the first division very quickly and be competing in the in the top division again. So that tells you like, that they're looking at this as Cork City, uh, you know, trying to get into Europe. You know, it's a league with bums and seats. League of Ireland is, is a league certainly with bums and seats, JP. You know, you can only sell so much merchandise and that, that's not going to sustain a club. But, um, you know... I think from that regard, maybe Preston then will bring in players who are not in the Preston first team, maybe some of the, the players on the reserve side. And uh, when he's talking like that, I presume they have a plan in bringing over a bit of talent from England and uh, to try to get Cork City out of the division as quickly as they can. Yeah, it does sound like he means business, uh, describing of what he has said there. But is there a fear from those Forest members and those diehard Cork City supporters that now that the club is owned by a British company that they could make changes and a lot of the rulings will be now decided by those in the UK? Or could that be a good thing considering what has happened over the last three to four years? 
Yeah, I suppose looking at it, they'll need a certain amount of knowledge anyway, local knowledge, uh, JP. You know, so hopefully they'll they'll uh, have a few core people in place, and um, you know, for us, I think will remain anyway, and um, you know, I think for us will will we'll remain and you know support the club. I think for us, you know, came in in two thousand eight. You know, they didn't come in to, to take over the club. They set up. Uh, for us to support the club, you know, uh, as as a safeguard, really, to get things that the club might need, like gym gear and all that stuff, um, you know. But they, they took over then in two thousand eight. I remember, you know, Forrest deserve a lot of credit, JP, because you remember, like I do, two thousand eight, when there were hours away from being wound up. Mm. I was in the court in Dublin that time um, when um, Cork City were, were were looking like they were going to go out of football, which would have been a disaster, really, a, a city. And county so big as Cork to go out of League of Ireland football would have been a disaster. And they were an hour away from me, wound up. The judge gave them an hour to go away and think about it, come up with a plan if they can, an alternative. And that's where Forrest stepped in. The likes of Pat Lyons, the likes of these great football people stepped in and saved Cork City. And they put the money where the moat was. And, and uh, you know, they got a license somehow and, um, you know, secured Cork Soccer. And look at the success they've had yeah. over those 10 to 12 years, you know, in Huge. Europe for four years running. Winning, winning the League and Cup double, they oversaw the most successful period in the club's history. So for them, it's very sad that now they have no input into the Cork City Football Club. You know, there'd be no community side of it. Uh, you know, the late Noel Feeney and the late John Kennedy, you know, the work they've done, great volunteers that work for Cork City Football Club, JP. And you mentioned there the, the double, of course, in 2017 and how the high performance Cork City had over the years now going to relegation. I mean, that had to be looked at as well uh, for those involved with Cork City and Forest, considering that sponsorship may be affected now that they have been relegated and the future of this. So while some have concerns, it does stabilise things now for a city. And as you mentioned, there will be some Cork involvement that have to be. So there will be people involved over the years in Cork City, which Preston and those under Grove More Limited will surely appoint on the running and the day-to-day Cork running of the club. Yeah, I would hope so. And, uh, you know, um, the likes of Aina Buckley and, you know, has uh, done a great job for Cork City down the years. You'd be hoping that they'd look to those people for the local knowledge and, you know, the local running of uh, and how to run a League of Ireland club and how it runs and so on. And, um, you know, I, I'd hope that they'd obviously... And uh, do that and look at that for the local knowledge. And you wonder about, you know, the academy is, is, is being well looked after by the likes of Colin Healy and Dan Murray and people like that doing great, a great job with the, the academy. You just wonder, uh, what's going to happen there and who the next manager will be. Will, will, will they appoint their own manager? I presume they will. It'd be a bit like how Dundalk has run, JP, mm. you know, um, with, uh, the investment coming in. And, um, you know, so there's a few questions to be answered, but, um, you know, I, I think that's one of the frustrations from the forest members, actually, that, they, you know, they never came with a proposal. Forest members didn't know the full details of what was going on. There's conflicting messages. And the pity was that, the you know, the, the members were split down the middle and which way to go, which is a pity. And, um, you know, you, you just hope that we're in a strong footing now and that, as you said, it would be stabilised and that Cork City can get on with the business on the pitch and, and get back into the top flight. And um, you, you, we're just hoping, though, that, you know, Forrest will still have a role to play and, and I'm sure they will with, it, with kind of a supporters club, you know? Yeah, I'm sure they will indeed because most of those clubs, even though they have different owners, there's always a supporters club at either side of them. And when we mentioned Dundalk there, is this something we're going to see more of over the next number of years with smaller clubs here in Ireland who will have to, unfortunately, be bought out by bigger clubs, maybe in the UK or elsewhere, considering the way things are going with the League of Ireland and in general with business in this country and how it could see a major change and indeed in maybe a few years' time a shake-up with the League of Ireland. 
Yeah, could be. Um, I, I know that one of the things from the forest members as well, JP, was that they they wanted a kind of um, you know proposals for maybe three or four different uh, would be suitable interested investors. You know, but I think one of the frustrations was just came down to one and uh, Preston, because obviously Preston wiped out their their, their debt previously um, for, for the sale of um, Sean Maguire and Kevin O'Connor. Um, but, um, you know, you, you just hope that their heart is in it and that's, you know, that's, uh, they'll, they'll get Cox City in the right track. But it could be the way forward, you're right, I think, you know. I mean, if Cox City fans see this walking, obviously they, they'll, they'll support the team, they'll, they'll pack Turner's Cross, um, and, um, you know, I suppose next year as well, you know, it'll be interesting in the first division, you know, City fans can look forward to a Cork Derby, I suppose, uh, against Cove Rambers. You'll have, um, you'll have, uh, John Caulfield back playing against Cork City as well. And, uh, maybe next year, but maybe that was, that was a mistake too, looking back, you know, in, in terms of getting, sacking John Caulfield. You know, there were fifth or sixth in the table and you'd have felt that John Caulfield consolidated Cork City and maybe they wouldn't have got the drop. When you look at what he's done with Galway already, maybe he's only a goal away from getting in, into the playoffs, nearly a miracle. But, um, you Do you know, feel that was a turning play. point of Cork City and where they are now? Yeah, it could have been. I think it could have been, yeah. Um, you know, he he won bad spell in, in five years and, you know, maybe they reacted too harshly, too quickly. In my mind, that's just my opinion. But, you know, the success he brought to Cork City and um, and to, to go through just one bad spell, I, I think he, 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 I, I'd be confident enough that he would have consolidated. And talking to some of the players, they'd be in agreement because I have spoken to the players, uh, some of them, and they said that you know they, they would have reckoned that John Caulfield would, would have probably kept him in the top division. Well, it's up to the future now of the club is in the hands of Preston North End and, and to see what they will do now with Cork City and where they go from here. Uh, I mean, Trevor, you yourself, you've been supporting Cork City long before you ever got into the media game. You and your, your mates over the years from Toker would have been going to those matches at the various mm. levels uh, and seeing Cork City grow and seeing the changes you mentioned there from 2008 to 2017 to what's happening now. It's, they've had a turbulent time over over the while that they've, that they've, they've been around, have Cork City since, since the 80s, but they've always bounced back and with this do you feel the bounce back and in, in your gut do you think this is the right decision um, I'm, I'm a bit split on it I'm a bit 50-50 I'll be honest um, obviously the, the, the club needed help and you know uh, to be you know um, there was a bit of as I mentioned earlier uh, irreparable damage done unfortunately the club was in debt and um, you know but it happens unfortunately it happens in Cox Soccer I've seen it all down the years as a young fella JP like you go back to Cork Hibs and Cork Celtic and any club that has a bit of success uh, soon after they seem to go to football, they run into financial difficulty. And, uh, you know, I think at one stage the, the wage bill would have been, you know, people say where did the money go, but, you know, they were in Europe every year and the biggest crowds in League of Ireland football. But, um, you know, maybe they didn't say for rainy day, you know, that the wage bill was very big. But if you're going to, on the flip side, it's a bit of a catch-22. If you're going to compete with the likes of Dundalk, and be in Europe. You've got to bring in the best players, and the best players want money. And the League of Ireland, unfortunately, for me, is a merry-go-round. And you know, people go to the clubs that they're going to get the money. It's a short career, as you know, JP. Yeah. You'll be out of it in your thirties, and they just go to clubs where they're going to get the biggest money, and you know, and chance of winning stuff. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens over the next while regarding Cork City. Will this be a good move or not? We'll see what the new owners will do for the moment. Trevor, uh, thanks for joining us this afternoon on the show. 
Pleasure, JP. And that is Trevor Walsh there, our sports correspondent on that issue with Cork City and now how they have been sold, basically. New owners, Preston North End. How do you feel about this? Uh, are you a big fan of Cork City? You know, right across the county, there's major fans of Cork City who would mix views on this. What's your view, good or bad? 1850-333-103, that your local soccer club now here in Cork, Cork City, that is, uh, under ownership uh, in the UK from Preston North End. Text or WhatsApp 86 And speaking to Trevor there, you can join Trevor this Saturday over on TalkSport via C103.ie for the Premier League live exclusively online powered by TalkSport and this Saturday it's Sheffield United versus Manchester City at 12.30 Burnley and Chelsea at 3 and Liverpool take on West Ham at 5.30 the Premier League live it's online you can listen every Saturday to Trevor Uh, you can download the C103 app uh, you can find it there or indeed go to C103.ie now a lot of calls and comments in with advice for our a guy in Kanturk, a single man who is asking and asking your help on how he can go about dating, kind of restricted at the moment. He uh, wants to meet somebody, uh, but how does he go about it and looking for people's views and maybe how they have done that over the last uh, few months and maybe during the first lockdown. Uh, we have a lot of advice for that man in Kanturk and we'll bring that to you next. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And the Irish Cancer Society, they're seeking volunteer drivers to help transport cancer patients to and from their hospital appointments and chemotherapy treatments in Cork. Volunteers are needed right across Cork to keep this vital service running. Now, the role is weekdays and you must be able to commit to a full day of driving. So all drivers must have a roadworthy vehicle and an active email address and a valid driver's licence if you are interested in this. You can apply via the Irish Cancer Society's website at cancer.ie. And Cove GAA, uh, they're going to continue on with their online Zoom bingo that's on every Sunday night at 8 o'clock. You can check out their Facebook page for further details or indeed go to the Cork Diary section of our C103 website at c103.ie. And Can Talk is a support group for adults affected by cancer in any way. Their group now continues online with support meetings held every Tuesday evening at 7.30pm. Attendance is free of charge but booking is essential. It's on the first Tuesday of each month Cancer Warriors Community Group meet and full details are available on the Can Talk brochures online you'll find that at cantalk.ie or a phone number for more details on this service it's 089 Record today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 86 And your pet questions are welcome because Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket she'll join us very shortly if you have a question for Jane for a pet in your household get that into us 1850-333-103 Sadie and Bernie will take those questions or you can text us WhatsApp 0862-103-103 on Cork City and uh, the money in that situation uh, Tim and yours says will people wake up I didn't know anything about football until I read Champagne Football read it and check out where the money goes of course that was uh, Mark Tighe's book wasn't it from the Sunday Times on John Delaney and what was happening with the FAI I'm sure you would have seen that programme as well if you didn't get a chance to read the book it was a, a programme on Virgin Media over the last few weeks uh, where Tommy Martin their sports presenter interviewed Mark on that and on his book uh, and yeah there's it shows what was happening within the FAI 
in on the FEI money would would be some of that would go towards a local league of Ireland clubs like Cork City. So uh, why or by that book itself wasn't about Cork City. It does ponder the money situation when it comes to the FEI, and that was all there, and it is all in that particular book. Uh, thank you, Tim, in your for your text and for our single man in Kenturk who is looking to know and looking for ideas of where he can meet somebody at the moment with all the restrictions how can he even chat to someone or get to know someone that could be a future girlfriend from him maybe a future wife in the inside anyhow we'll have to wait and see we're jumping ahead uh, but can we help this man out in Kenturk well uh, thanks to a lot of people who have come back to us on this first of all hi to Derek who says I found plenty of fish grace it's an online dating site I was able to meet two women for a socially distant walk said Derek and Finton says I tell that man in Kenturk he should join Mokra that's where my son met his wife Ken is saying can he not try some dating apps they may work for him such as Tinder he might find them helpful Emily says she tried C103 dating uh, you can check that out via our website c103.ie and she said it worked for her so maybe try C103 dating Column uh, says why not just take the chance and message single friends single female friends and talk about your situation you never know someone may feel the same or may know someone in their circle who is looking to meet someone as well that is single or indeed maybe someone in their circle fancies you already might not know uh, says Cullum uh, also Janice here saying ask friends of friends and a lot of the time friends of ours may fancy you but are too shy to come forward so just say it says Janice I know friends of mine who were too shy to approach their own friends or friends of mine and nights out and in the end, they did. And now a lot of them are going out with each other. Two were engaged, uh, says Janice. So maybe just take the chance and ask. And you, know, you can always get a no, I suppose. And would it be the worst thing in the world at the moment? You mightn't see them anyway for a long time, but you could try that out uh, for our man in Kenturk. Also staying with this issue of dating, Ned says... Uh, that man could try online dating or what about the ads in the paper do they still do this he could get a pen pal out of it if nothing else says Ned while Garoud says he could ask his family and friends to set him up with other single people they know that could be an idea Uh, while Eileen says why not just ask his own friends and their circles of who maybe they have single in their friend circles that could be an idea you never know Uh, many a time that's how we used to do when I was younger says Eileen and we met her future husbands and husbands and now from that says Eileen on text 0862103103 while Irene is saying I am currently trying Facebook dating it's within the Facebook app so if you have the Facebook app not online Irene says but if you have the Facebook app uh, you can just go down the side find Facebook dating and she says with this your friends don't know that you're Facebook dating but you can choose people then so it, it comes up with a lot of ideas and suggestions for you who you could and want to date but they won't know that you're looking uh, for a date if that makes sense Uh, thank you Irene so Facebook dating if that man in Kenturk is on Facebook you could try that anyhow any ideas for our man in Kenturk we'll bring them to you if not before the end of the show tomorrow as well on dating and how difficult dating is for people at the moment given all the current restrictions people can't go beyond 5k you can't be meeting somebody else out of your own household so it is very restrictive for those who are trying to date and are looking 
working for someone at the moment and what do you do in that situation just to get talking a lot of ideas there uh, can you help that man in Kenturk 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 same numbers for your pet questions because Jane Pickett of the Ellenwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us next and if you have any advice for the man in Kentork on dating, you can email across the afternoon. We'll bring you more on those tomorrow. JP at C103.ie. Speaking of retailers and smaller retailers who've had to close, especially closed doors, and they felt it was unfair because larger stores were open and selling closed. Well, the majority of the big supermarkets at this stage have sealed off uh, their areas that are selling closed. But Mike was in a big store uh, in the city over the last few hours and he says they're closed section is not closed off and he's under the, the illusion that they're still open so that still needs to be looked at says Mike on text to 0862103103 but we are going to turn our attention now to the pets in our household and Jane Pickett our vet here on the show will join us next Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 and on the issue of dating for our friends in Canturk uh, first of all a texter here is saying you can tell that man in Canturk to go out for a walk and try to meet new people. Friends of friends could know someone suitable or even get a walking buddy. They might know someone. Uh, Helen is in the North Cork area and she would like to make friends with that man so maybe something may happen there. Uh, we'll pass on your numbers, Helen, to that gentleman in Kenturk. And also John says, when you're online dating, just be careful. It always leads to payment, uh, says John, which it can do. And uh, the girls in Mallow say, ask him what about the virus? Tell him be careful from the girls in Mallow. I think at this stage she just wants to get to know someone online and chat to them online and then maybe when restrictions are lifted they can meet up but at the moment it's just trying to talk to someone and meet to someone uh, meet up with someone is impossible because of the level 5 and the 5k so it's, people are finding it hard in how they approach to meet somebody but yeah he'd have to be careful with that virus as well in case he picks it up from that person says the girls in Mallow and a lot of more ideas coming in and we'll get to more tomorrow if you can help that man uh, email jp at c103.ie across the afternoon and we'll bring you more ideas tomorrow on how you can meet someone uh, when you're in lockdown but a texter here says hi jp i just want to tell that man in Kenturk uh, that he doesn't know how lucky he is enjoy your single life because if you get caught with the old doll his enjoyment will be over says that person that <laughs> text oh it's six two one zero three one zero three. right move on our our uh, pet questions, you can get them into us. 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. And I won't uh, be asking you for your dating advice for that man. We'll get straight into our pet questions. That's what we will. <laughs> and before we get into the questions, actually, Halloween, it's still something we're hearing about. And I know we, we discussed that last week on the show, but still mm-hmm. we're getting calls because the traditional date for Halloween is this weekend. And there has been an alarming spike in the number of dog owners who were looking for fireworks advice. And this information is coming from Dogs Trust Ireland. So again, to mind people uh, just to settle your dog because fireworks we're hearing as it is from different towns in Cork it is sparking concerns with dog owners at the moment mm-hmm, Absolutely it's, it's something that rears its ugly head every year and it, it, it's really just a very stressful time for our pets a lot of the time and, and as a consequence a stressful time for, for their owners um, we never want to see our pets stressed out or distressed so I think the main thing really is just give them time and um, create a nice little den somewhere kind of 
cushioned and lots of blankets to kind of dull down the sound. Uh, a little bit of sound insulation does no harm, so lots of blankets. Uh, some are quiet in the house and put on the radio a little bit louder than normal. Just something nice, not kind of 101 dance tunes, but, you know, classical music or ambient talk show. Um, if they want to settle in their own space, whether it's the space you've chosen for them to hide out in their den or not, wherever they decide to go, just, just let them at it. Um, a lot of the time, moving them from one place to another might stress them out a little bit. So just go with whatever they're feeling themselves and try and make it as calm as possible. Make sure they're secure in the house as well. And, and if, you know, I think the main thing is make sure they're microchipped too, just in case they do get out. And a lot of the time, the main thing I would say is just pretend nothing's going on. Check on your pet occasionally to make sure it's okay. But try and not kind of give off the nervy vibes because they're very good at picking up on these things. And like if we kind of act really nervous and are going to reassure them a lot more than normal, which is our natural kind of thing that we want to do, we want to make sure they're safe. Sometimes they can interpret that as, oh God, my owner's really worried. So. I really should be worried. And then that will add to their stress a little bit. Other things that you can do are there's little kind of pheromone plugins that can, you know, spread a little happy hormone through the air like they would have had when they were welting from their mum as pups um, and put those in the in the place that they'd be spending the most time. But I'd say now is the time to do that in the lead up to the firework weekend um, rather than on the day. So they kind of settle in. It works really well for some dogs, not for others, but it's always, always worth a try. Yeah, I think the security one is the big one we find here yeah. on the weekend after Halloween. The amount of calls we get in from people who've lost their dogs and the main reason is they weren't in a secure place and the dog is going to run away and get out because they're scared of the fireworks sound or the, or the banger sound or whatever. So I think security and microchipping is the big one from what we find anyhow with the lists of calls we get always saying my dog has gone missing but they keep them in a safe place even if it's inside maybe over the next if they're an outside dog maybe keep them somewhere safe inside would that be keep recommended? Inside. Yeah, yeah, if you can put them if they're a fully outside dog if there's any shed or warm place you can, you can pop them into for the evening a lot of the time really they don't even want to run off they hear this bang and their fight and flight instinct just kicks in they'll have ran half a mile away before they even realise where they've gone yeah, so a course, lot of yeah. the time they'll be out of their comfort zone and not really know how to find their way back Like their senses are incredible but sometimes if they're very much out of their own environment they won't find their way back and really microchipping is key so if that's not done get it done it might be a little bit too late for let's say this weekend but certainly for let's say the festivities over Christmas with fireworks at New Year definitely worth getting done the main thing is security it's very much like ourselves and on the radio we find a big flurry of lost dog calls and dogs turning up to be scanned for a chip um, on the Monday or Tuesday after Halloween um, so it's, it's a pattern that occurs every year so yeah security is the really 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 key thing Okay, so people have been warned and the advices have been given out there for uh, not only here but also elsewhere over the last week so people just need to adhere to that advice now for their dogs so that they're not in that situation of ringing us or you or whoever on Monday or Tuesday yeah. next week saying they lost their dog. Now let's get into more questions. First of all, this is from Siobhan on email who says, I have an 11 year old Labrador who is a farm dog and has always slept very comfortably outside at night. Now he is starting to show signs of ageing, he has slowed down and his hearing has deteriorated but he's still very healthy now I'm feeling sorry for him because of these signs of ageing and she feels at this stage should I bring him indoors at night that he's getting older but would the transition from cold to hot be bad for him and also he will spend a lot of the day outdoors and only be indoors at night and I don't want to make him sick by doing this from going from the cold to the warmth of the house No I I think I, I I understand where you're coming from. I think when they get a little bit older, they might not be as robust as they were when they were younger. I really think at this kind of stage in his life, it would be best for him to have the kind of warmth and TLC overnight. I wouldn't worry too much about the change in temperature or humidity humidity from being inside to outside during day and night. 
But I would say, particularly in the bad weather like this, I'd, I'd bring him inside. Um, it pretty much goes for any pet, really. I know there's a lot of dogs that really enjoy their freedom outside, but they really should have somewhere kind of warmer um, to sleep overnight, whether that be a kennel outside or inside the house. They should have a designated spot um, because it's very much like ourselves. If you imagine kind of being outside overnight when, let's say, particularly the snow cloud cover, the temperature can really, really drop quite low. And we're inside all snuggle up in our house, happy out. But um, the dog, although they're quite stoic little creatures and they can cope quite well with with changes in temperature, it'd be nicer for themselves, um, like it would be for ourselves to be inside and be a bit cosier. I think that the main asset test is what I normally say to people is, if it was a toddler, where would it sleep? So, you know, let's say somebody, a small creature like that, that, you know, doesn't have a lot of body mass reserve and doesn't have a lot of body fat, is not that great at dealing with extreme temperature. And if it's if it would be too cold for you you or a toddler to be outside in the evening, it's too cold for a dog and cat. So make sure they have somewhere warm, whether that be a kennel or a shed or inside the house, um, particularly over these winter months. All right, I hope that helps you, Siobhan. And Kay has a cat. Now, she treats the cat for fleas and worms, but they are back again. So how often should she treat the cat to keep fleas and worms away? Ah, this is an interesting one. So we'll tackle fleas first because they're a little bit of a different creature. Um, Fleas in cats are notorious for coming back. You need at least three months of on-the-button perfect flea control and treating the flea environment before you can kill off fleas. Cat fleas, as opposed to dog fleas, are much harder to kill. They are pretty much encased in what can only be described as akin to battle armour. So they're very difficult to kill off and they're very resistant to disinfectant, temperature, light, all the things that would normally kill off small bugs if they were left for a little while. If you're struggling to clear a flea infestation, it really depends on what product you're using. First thing I'd say is make sure you're using a product from your vet or your pharmacist because we'll be able to carry the products that are proven to be effective and safe and that's really important particularly when you're tackling the infestation so and ask them to clarify exactly how often they should be done some products are monthly some products are three monthly it's really important to know what the interval for your product is and stick with it and um, also treating the environment is really important if there is things that your cat sleeps on soft furnishings a cushion or something like that put everything through a really hot wash um, if you can and, and I suppose be aware that things might shrink and that's always a risk but that you need that really really hot wash to kill off flea eggs uh, and also you may need to use environmental sprays so there are flea sprays that you can get from your vet um, on prescription that are to be used let's say around skirting boards on carpets but always test them kind of in an inconspicuous area to make sure they're not going to do any damage but they are pretty much the only things that will kill off those flea eggs that are reappearing in an ideal world, it's not just dealing with the infestation. I know it's, it's, it's a bit heartbreaking sometimes when, when these things happen and the fleas keep coming back. So what I would say to anybody out there who hasn't had fleas in their house is you don't know what you're facing unless it's happened to you. So it's best to prevent it. It's a real nightmare to solve. So best of luck to our owner in solving that and just get your best advice, treat the environment and treat your cat the appropriate interval. Um, but prevention is really the key. Now, with worms, it's a similar story. Um, it varies on the interval the interval of treatment varies depending on the age of the cat. In general, for a normal cat that lives, let's say, an indoor slash outdoor lifestyle, they'll need to be done for fleas or for worms at least every three months. Now, if your cat is 100% indoors, doesn't even have a sniff of the garden, it can be less than that. But you have to be aware that things might still be coming into the house 
Um, so like Wormix might still be coming into the house on your shoes and things like that. So it's never a totally sterile environment. Every three months for an adult cat is the rule of thumb. If it's a lot younger, it can be it can be what we normally say is every two weeks until 12 weeks, every month until they're six months, and then every three months for the rest of their life. So speak to your vet. Make sure you're using a reputable product. Again, vets and pharmacists will stock the products that we know are safe and actually work. And we may not be able to say that for every product that's sold elsewhere on market. Okay, and very finally, Jane, uh, Liam is in Carrick Tool. He has a five-year-old uh, Labrador, which he says is wild, but the right eye is weeping. Any idea why this could be? Oh, it could be something that he got a little bop. Uh, so he might have a scratch on the eye or a little belt to something. If he's, if he's really, truly bonkers, a lot of the time they can sometimes do themselves some damage in their excitement. Or it could just be an eye infection during like pink eye in humans. Um, Whatever is going on, if the eye is weeping and he's sore, he needs to see a vet. So your vet will examine the eye, check that it looks okay, and will probably put some dye in the front of the eye to check that it's not got a scratch um, and to find out what the problem is. And it's likely that some eye drops might be needed here. So I'd, I'd say book in with your vet um, as soon as you can to, to get it checked over. Okay, Jane, well, thank you for that. And we'll chat to you next week and mind the pets during Halloween. Thanks, Jane. Thank you. Take Bye. care. Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Yeah, and in news, just the developing story that is taking place at the moment while we mentioned the restrictions going on in Germany and France earlier in relation to COVID. Uh, some news coming into us still this afternoon of a woman who has been decapitated and two others have been stabbed to death in a suspected terror attack in the French city of Nice. Several others were injured in the attack in a church this morning and it seems there's been another man shot dead in another city in France. This is all happening over the last uh, few hours. We'll have more on that across our afternoon news bulletins. That's it. My thanks to Bernie and Sadie who worked on the show. Nick is next. I'm John Paul McNamara. Enjoy your Thursday afternoon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.